Now, if you've been here, you know we've been talking about how the enemy moves uh, against the, the mind, the heart of the believer. Um, he will, of course, uh, approach you with temptation. Everybody say temptation. He will try to bring oppression into your life, not just trying to get you to take a misstep or come out from under the Word of God with temptation, but to cause a sustained pressure to push you off of the things of God, off the Word of God, off of the will of God in your life. And if you do this long enough, you're going to experience the uh, oppression of the enemy trying to come at you. But greater is he. You know, I, I run into people from time to time say, well, if I just get spiritual enough, you know, if I just grow in God enough, you know, if I just become a great man or woman of God enough, I'll never have to deal with things like oppression. Right. Well, that's just not simply real. That's not true. What you need to be aware of is how to deal with it when it comes at you. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, we're not on the, the side of heaven right now where everything is set in an order. We're here by faith. <laughs> Amen. We're exercising our faith, and we're called to victory. We demonstrate victory, but we're in a war. That's why we're told to put on the armor of God, amen. Not because there aren't going to be the firing of the enemy's darts and weapons at us, but no weapon formed against us. Well, prosper. Do you believe that tonight? Say, no weapon formed against me will prosper every time that rises up in judgment against me will be refuted. You want to know why? Because the Bible says that's part of your inheritance. That's right. Victory in warfare, amen. Yes. And God taking care of you and your reputation and what pertains to you because that's part of your inheritance as a child of God. So it's temptation, say temptation. temptation. Then there is oppression, say oppression. oppression. Then there is a thing called possession where the enemy actually occupies the vessel and controls and completely dominates. It does happen. It happened in Scripture with the gathering. We see how the Bible tells us that Satan actually entered into Judas at the very table of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you think that you can flirt around with darkness and go to the house of God and you'll be protected, now you've got to have your house in order, this house in order. But uh, I see temptation in the body of Christ. I see people oppressed in the body of Christ and fight that fight. And from time to time, I've had to deal with folks that were possessed. But 99% of the time, what's going on right now is the attempt of the enemy to cause you to be demonized or come under his influence and direction and dictates. That's the real danger. So the assignment right now in this year of transformation is to equip you and train you so that you are not part of that issue, part of that problem. Say it with me. I refuse to be demonized in any fashion, any form. In Jesus' name. Now that's a great confession, but you have to back it up with some spiritual disciplines. Are you here tonight? There are things you have to actually do. You have to come into agreement. And they're not complicated. And the truth of the matter is, it's probably nothing you haven't heard a thousand times. But in this context, I want you to see how really important these things are. Now we know how the enemy works. The Bible tells us in latter times, some shall what? Depart from the faith. I'm not talking about departing from a denomination, departing from a church, Departing from an organization, we're talking about departing from the faith. Faith in Jesus Christ as the only way, amen, the only truth, the only life. No one comes to the Father but through what? Through Him. That's what we're talking about. In latter times, the Spirit says, Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to, listening to, yielding to, seducing spirits, and doctrines of devils. Now, seducing spirits gradually draw us away from right believing and right conduct. Notice what I've said again. It's gradual. Yeah. 
No Christian ever became demonized overnight. Not one. It is a process. It is gradual. And if our antenna will be up and will be perceptive and discerning, which is really what this is all about, we're not going to we're not going to let him get a hold of us. Amen. Amen. We're going to have alarms going off on the inside of us. And if we have to change, we'll change. If we have to repent of something, we'll repent of something. But we're not going to allow him to seduce us gradually from right believing and right conduct. And it's happening all over the nation. Where people are saying this is perfectly fine to do, it's perfectly fine to live this way. Can I tell you something? A child of God should be pure in this evil world that we live in. Yes. And yet we see people doing things exactly the way the world does them. It will never be right for a Christian says just because I'm older now to shack up with somebody without marrying who. Right. It's never going to be right. No. And the church should not be silenced, bashful, or intimidated to say the truth about these things. So if you think the only problem in this nation is with homosexuality, you're mistaken. In most evangelical churches, it's not homosexuality. It is promiscuity. And I'll take some better amens than that in this Holy Ghost church today. You'll see the connection tonight to why, why I, would, I would mention this. So how can somebody live pure, live pure, live pure, live pure, and they get to a certain season of life where they give themselves license to do something they never would before that tendency to give ourselves license to believe things that contradict the Word and do things that contradict the Word of God, that is a seduction. And we, when, that, listen to me, when that's happening to us, we should not try to rationalize. Rationalization is the mark of the demonized. It's okay for me to live this way. I'm special. No, you're not. All you're going to get is further demonizing you are right now. So when you're tempted to throw things down that you believe and throw things down that you said were right conduct and right beliefs, you know, that's a warning sign to you and to me. Yes. Look at somebody and tell them, you're not special. You're not special. <laughs> we are all subject to the same word, to believe what the word says and to act in accordance with that word. Uh, that's just what it teaches. And if we reject that, then we can become fodder for the enemy <coughs> under his influence doing what the Scripture says, what He wants us to do, trapped according to the Scripture to do His will rather than God's will. The other thing are things called doctrines of devils. These are teachings that come from men and women that are inspired by the devil that are infiltrating the church of Jesus Christ. So you've got to understand uh, what the heart of God is. Amen. You've got to understand why it's so important to, to fellowship correctly with the things of God. And make sure that you know what God thinks about matters. So when that seduction comes, or that doctrine of devil comes, you, you know how to reject them. Now, you don't have to persecute people, and you don't have to become an activist against somebody. No. You just simply say, no, I don't think so. I'm not receiving that in Jesus' name. That is not the word. Are you here today? So that's why we're, we're doing this. And so the assignment tonight is to give you what I call, you know, the, the three keys you know, to preventing demonization in your life. And they're all equally important. And if I only get through half of one of them, well, then praise the Lord. Amen. I have learned after all these years there will be another service, God willing. And I'll just pick up where I left off last time. Amen. <laughs> I think this is part five or six of the sub-series Demonization in the Year of Transformation. Well, why are we talking so much of this? Apparently, God does not want us demonized. Apparently, God has more in store for us than just being the father of the enemy and being under his boot. Amen. 
You know, if we if we allow this to happen, then it doesn't matter that, that we have, you know, rejecting Jesus, that's a whole other matter. We don't have to reject Jesus to be completely void and powerless in this life. That's right. All we have to do is be seduced by doctrines of devils, amen, as well as, you know, the, the attitude, the behaviors of other people influencing us more than what God is trying to influence us in His Word. This is not a time to walk away from right doctrine and right believing. In fact, it's probably the most dangerous time in the history of the church to do so. That's right. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, keep believing. Keep, believing. keep living right. Keep, living keep right. believing right. Keep and if somebody you, uh, you know is going down that path, you know, love them, speak the truth in love, but don't you dare follow them. Amen. Say, I love you, but I'm not doing that in Jesus' name. I've got too much to lose. And can I just say this to you? Everybody in here, say everybody. everybody. Somebody's watching you. You will not be the only one demonized if you go down this path. I have watched, for example, people get into strife and offense, which we learned Sunday is one of the main pathways into demonization. I've watched entire families taken out by that offense. Next thing you know, the spouse is demonized and the kids are demonized. and They had nothing to do with this and all of a sudden entire families. And then friends of families are demonized all because somebody refused to deal with offense properly. Look at somebody and say, somebody's watching you. Somebody's watching you. And they'll likely follow you. Why not let them follow us into victory? Amen. 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 Follow us into the peace of God yes. and the joy of the Lord. So with that said, let's talk about the first one. The first one is simply renewing the mind. Something you've heard before, but something I want to challenge you to do and then do and then do it again. And when you get done doing it, do it again. And when you get done renewing the mind, do it again. Brother Hagin said, your mind doesn't stay renewed any more than your hair stays combed. Anybody here wake up with bedhead? You wake up with bedhead in more than one way. Not just your hair going all over the place, but your thought life doing the same thing. Go to Romans 12 and let's look at this uh, capstone scripture. And let's spend a little time here talking about this. How many want to block the devil from demonizing your life? Somebody you care about, okay? Romans 12, let me know when you're there. This is really important that you get your Bible out, um, get your device going. Pull up one of your many versions that you have electronically and uh, follow along here. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, so we know right away who is Paul talking to. He is talking to brothers and sisters, believers, fellow believers in the church at Rome. In view of God's mercy... I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So how does transformation take place? There is no transformation in the year of transformation without transforming the mind. It's just not going to happen. I mean, good wishes and hope and the praying is not going to cut it. 
You'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, if you've fallen into the trap of a false doctrine about the will of God, and you've been taught there are three different wills, and God really doesn't care as long as you hit one of them, that's not what this is saying. This is not three different wills of God. The fact that God does not, uh, you know, throw us out and judge us and destroy us when we take a path that's not one He's called us to, don't think that the permissive will of God is something you should be seeing as a, as a champion point, as a victory point. It is not. What Paul is saying here is this is how he describes God's will. God's will is good. God's will is pleasing. And guess what? God's will is perfect. Um, God did not have three wills for Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He had what? One will. And what if he had deviated into what somebody might call the permissive will of God? Let's just go ahead and close the building now because we're still dead in our sins and trespasses and we're lying to each other. That what we're doing tonight matters because it doesn't matter if he didn't go to the cross. You say, well, that's Jesus. No, the same standard is for you and for me. And a renewed mind doesn't say, I just can do whatever I want to do and I happen to accept Jesus Christ so I go to heaven one day. If you're going to be a Christian, you're going to be Christ-like. Like the anointed one, but not the Messiah. C.S. Lewis called people and, and said God's in, in, you know, intent was to create little Christs, not saviors, but little anointed ones. Little A under what? Under the big A. The anointed one. Do you see this today? And that's, uh, that's God's heart for you. So right out at the, at the starting gate here, you got to make up your mind that there's, there's not little three doors I can take. And God's going to be just fine with that. There is a perfect will for every person in this room. Now that can, you know, change over the course of a lifetime as God directs you. But you and I should want to be in the absolute perfect will of God. That's where the peace is at. That's where your greatest productivity is at. Amen. That's where your greatest joy is at. There's nothing better than knowing you're in the perfect will of God. When I left uh, here at Murray State and went to uh, went to seminary and. I got married over the summer, and we had a little one-room one, uh, one room apartment in Springfield, Missouri, and our total income that year was uh, $3,000. It wasn't until we did our taxes that we realized that was $11,000 under the poverty level. But you know what? We didn't like anything. Amen. And most of all, we didn't like peace. Amen. It's still for her and for me a very treasure of time because we were in God's will. We were pursuing what He called us to do. We were preparing for ministry. And we didn't like anything, but we weren't pursuing much except for the Lord. You understand what I'm saying to you tonight? And uh, that's a clear time, you know, where I can tell you that without any doubt whatsoever, we knew that we knew that we knew we were in His will. And that was going to be for a season. We weren't called there forever. But you understand, you need to have that same kind of confidence. And you're not going to have that confidence without a renewed mind. And as so many Christians have such polluted minds, they're not capable of discerning the perfect will of God. That's what the Scripture is really all about. Without a renewed mind, you can't discern what His good and, and pleasing and perfect will is for your life. But how many want to know His perfect will and you want to walk in it? Yes, Amen. Amen. Say it with me. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Not mine. And when you find yourself outside of God's will, just pray that prayer and watch Him pick you up and stick you right back in the perfect will of God. That's how powerful He is. So don't ever say, well, God can't do anything with me now. I've just blown it too many times. That's a lie from the pit of hell. 
He has a supernatural ability to redeem the time. Amen. He has the ability to pour out on you an anointing of acceleration and cover much ground very, very quickly, even if you thought you wasted some time. So you're not done. I said, you're not done. That's a lie from the pit of hell. So let's break this down. How many want to have a renewed mind? It starts with offering your body as a living sacrifice. There is no way to renew your mind until your body is offered as a living sacrifice. A lot of people skip that step. They jump right into the teaching about the the application of the Word of God, how to deal with renewing the mind, how to cast down things that are not consistent with the Word of God. But you're not going to be able to do this if you have not put your life on the altar and said, Jesus Christ is not just Savior, He is Lord. And this scripture says that's your reasonable act of worship. Art's translation, that's the least you could do is lay your life down for the one who laid your life down, his life down for you and for me. So you offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. There cannot be true worship or renewing of the mind without it. So imagine you're here on a Sunday morning and for weeks you've been living for yourself and now you're going to come in here and worship God. Guess what? You're not going to get past the seats in front of you. Because you didn't think about the implication of the connection between true worship and laying your life down as a, having a Lord in your life and also as being a servant in your mindset every day of your life. Um, why is this such a big deal? I, I cannot become a person with a renewed mind if I'm not going to allow myself to first lay this body down and keep it down. You see this? Uh, lots of people, oh yes, renew the mind, praise the Lord, think the thoughts of God. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Before all of that, it needs to be holiness and purity before the Lord. Amen. That's why from traditional you know, uh, you know, teaching, you will always see that the word churches are also churches that espouse and teach and expect holiness in the lives of God's people. Imagine somebody's trying to find God's will about a relationship. This is just an example, okay? Uh, you know, I've got two Christians. They love each other. I won't pick on Mary Beth tonight. Uh, so it's not, we're not, I'm not talking about them. I told them I wouldn't use them as illustrations much. No, I didn't say that. I said I wouldn't use you as illustrations at all. <laughs> uh, they're actually going through the process of preparing to get married. And uh, I said I'd marry them in four or five years. You keep them in prayer, <laughs> Behave. <laughs> Amen. But imagine you've got this, these, these two folks, and they, they're dating, they love each other, they think, you know, and, and so they want to know God's will. Is it, is it God's will? Watch this. They are never going to find God's will by being impure in the process of trying to find God's will. They're fodder for all kinds of deception. And let me help you out here. And when people do this in or out of the church that claim to be Christians, don't you dare clap for them and say things like, oh, isn't that cute? It's not cute. It's devastating. You cannot find the will of God by contradicting the word of God while you're trying to find the will of God. Amen. And so the first step for all of us, if we're going to have a renewed mind, is to lay your life down. Mm-hmm. 
offer your body as what? A living sacrifice. Alive and yet dead. Paul said, I die daily. He said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen. If I want to know what God's you know, good, pleasing, and perfect will is, I want to understand, you know, I want to have a renewed mind, it's going to start with that. There's a, there's a lot of reasons for that, why you can't tap into a renewed mind. You can't discern the will of God, uh, you know, by contradicting His Word in, in your behavior, in your conduct. But just to understand this, at, at the very simplest level, by doing so, you're inviting all kinds of influences into your life. Let me put it this way, all kinds of white noise. Yes. You're trying to find God's will and all this stuff is just, you know, of course you're not going to be able to discern what God's actual will is because you're not laying your life down. And uh, in the Western church, it's not popular to tell people live as though you were dead. It's just not. Amen. I don't really care. It doesn't stop me from preaching it. <laughs> because it's so important that you do. Your best life is not you alive to yourself. Your best life is you dead to yourself. Yeah. Amen. That's a pretty good amen for a Lutheran church, I think, a Presbyterian church. Uh, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Be holy because what? The Lord is holy. Without holiness, no man will see. Literally or discern the Lord, or His kingdom. So you offer your bodies up as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. Now, how you don't know everything, but you do know how you have a pretty good handle of what He expects in terms of daily living? Raise your hand if you okay. Raise your lip high if you think you know what it means to live holy. All right, you're commissioned to do it then, in Jesus' name. Raise your hand and say, no excuses. I said I knew. <laughs> the good news is, as you do this, you're going to be able to have more of a renewed mind and understand plainly the will of God for your life. It's a good thing. Second principle in this scripture is to reject the world's attempt to squeeze you into its mold. You offer up your living bodies, uh, your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable act of worship, but then you reject the influence of this world. And you're going to have to put your foot down and say, I'm not letting this stuff in my heart, I'm not letting it in my subconscious, I'm not receiving this in Jesus' name. This world has gone crazy. It's no longer just contradictory to the teachings of Christ and the things of God. It's gone crazy. Uh, we ran into a, a friend of Kelly's the other day. And uh, this young lady moved in right beside us. Her husband had stepped out on her and her life was totally devastated. And I'll never forget this. The Lord used Kelly to lead her to Jesus Christ and lead her into the baptism in the Holy Ghost. This young lady is about to finish her doctorate in education. Amen. Um, Mary has has beautiful kids, you know, grandkids. It's amazing what God will do. You think you don't matter? You matter. You never know who's going to come across your path. And you matter in Jesus' name. <laughs> uh, she's a teacher in a neighboring county. And this is what she said. Everybody say, the world's gone nuts. Come on, say, the world's gone nuts. <laughs> Just when you think you've heard it all. The principal of that school had a parent come to her and say, I want you to let my child attend school here and be what he says he identifies as. He says he identifies as a cat and he wants to communicate by meowing and we expect you to accept it. <laughs> now, the principal's response, I, I'd go give her a gold star if I could find her myself. Here's what she said. 
She said, it's fine if he wants to identify as a cat, but there are no cats allowed in this school. <laughs> she, she, said, she said, we only allow service animals, canines. And so, no, you cannot come here as a cat. Uh, what a powerful thing to do to stand up to that nonsense. Because it's what? It's nonsense. And the question is, what kind of parent is yielding to this stupid spirit out there? Amen. That was Tyler, I think, that sent me a, a video a few hours ago, and it was a speaker in a church, and I don't advocate the language that he used or how he approached it. But he said, you know, I'm tired of you parents out there all the time trying to talk your kids into coming back to church. He said, just beat them up. <laughs> In other words, stop playing around. Be the parent. Right. Mm -hmm. Engage them. Set the example. And if their kids are under your roof. Yeah. yeah. There you go. My roof. My rules. But they'll get mad at me. They're probably already mad at you. They're probably all mad already doing something. Give them a reason. Say it with me. My roof. My roof. My rules. My it's a, a parent that would, if a kid came to the campaign and said, I don't feel like going to school tomorrow, what would you say? You're going to school. I don't feel like going to Sunday school. I don't feel like going to youth. What do you do? Okay. Really? You think that school is more important than their spiritual training. And the day we're living in, folks are going to regret that kind of behavior and decision. And don't you dare come back and say, well, that church didn't do much for my youth. That's it. Amen. When they do come, we only have them for about an hour, hour and a half. That's it. Your kid identifies as a cat. You know what I would say? Fine, we're going to the vet. Get your shots. I'm going to put a collar on you. Amen. I'm going to get you some kitty litter. No more real bathroom. Forget about a bed. In fact, you're an outdoor cat. <laughs> this is what our public school teachers that are godly and our administrators are putting up with out there. Give him a big hand clap. God bless him. Any, <laughs> all the help. <laughs> Talk about in need of patience. And you think, oh yeah, yeah, that was out in California, man. That was out in you know some weird liberal state. That was in New York City. That was in a neighboring county to Callaway County. How about some renewing of the mind? Amen. They're trying to squeeze you into a moat that is not godly, that is not consistent with the Word of God, that is not even rational. It used to be it wasn't consistent with the Word of God. Now it's not even rational. And the most celebrated atheist this week came out and said, there's no question from this. Everybody say, celebrated atheist. Celebrated. Come on, sit in and say, celebrated atheist. Celebrated atheist. World-renowned world and known said, there's no question. There are only two genders in the human genome, period. And he's not religious. Has nothing to do with the Bible. He's just strictly looking at genetics. That's what a sound mind would say. He needs to get saved. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I, heard, uh, I heard another guy talking. He said he was an evangelist in Southern California. And um, he ran into a, a well-known atheist in that part of the country. 
And the atheist said, uh, I would really like to debate you, you know, publicly on our beliefs. And the evangelist said, okay, I just have one condition. Everybody say one condition. One condition. He said, okay, what's that? He goes, I want you to go out and find just one person that you see, they ruined their marriage, threw their life down, got into drugs, got into alcohol, blew apart their life, their career, everything, and find me one person and bring to that meeting that atheism transformed their life after they ruined their life. Find me one. He said, you bring one and I'll bring a hundred. And we'll debate. But if you can't bring one, and you won't find one, you know why? Because atheism never transformed anybody. The faith in Christ does, doesn't it, church? Yes, it does. Amen. So don't be squeezed, the Phillips translation says, into don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Amen. So first of all, you laid your life down, haven't you? Monster, I've laid my life down. I refuse to let this world squeeze me into its mold. Glory to God. You, you do not enter in somebody else's lie. If somebody says they identify as a cat. You're not a cat. I'm not lying for you. That's it. Amen. That's right. Amen. You say you are a, you identify as a female when you're a born man. I'm not lying for you. No. No. That's what this atheist said. I am not. I said, I am a purveyor of the language. He said, I am a professional communicator. I am a purveyor of the English language. And I am not going to be told I can't use the language. That's it. Amen. But that's where you are right now. And if you don't stay in a sacrificial mode with your life, and if you don't resist this stuff, it'll get in there. You know, the problem with this is once you start yielding, it's hard to stop. There's a word in Old Testament. Actually, it's a, it's a New Testament word. Uh, lasciviousness. Everybody say lasciviousness. lasciviousness. And you know what it means? It means the inability to put the brakes on. And you go down that path far enough, you'll find the brakes are out. It just gets worse and gets worse and gets worse. Look at somebody and tell them, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Glory to God. Number three, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Write this down. There's only one, one element, one influence in the entire world that can transform your mind. It is what? The word. It is the Word of God. And it doesn't do you any good if you have a bunch of versions and you don't read them. Whatever you do have, read what you have. Reflect on it, meditate on it, memorize it, speak it, talk it, stay in it. That's how your mind is renewed. Well, I, I did that, you know. You know, I used to do it all a lot, Pastor. I'd be in there all the time, you know, but kind of got away from that. Guess what happened while you got away from the Word? Your mind became unrenewed. Your mind does not stay renewed to the thoughts of God. Aren't you going to be glad when one day Jesus takes authority over this earth again? Amen. And everything is set right. Those influences aren't there. When He fixes you, you're going to be fixed. A uh, fellow that uh, was a board member in Hopkinsville, when we went over there to, to interview, he actually ran the Christian school and led worship. And he said a friend of his told him he was going to be a mortician. And he said, uh, why are you going to leave the ministry and become a mortician? He said, well, you know what? All these years I, 
I get somebody safe, you know, they get out of drugs and they go back into drugs. They get in out of alcohol and go back into alcohol. They get out of promiscuity, go back into it. He goes, as a mortician now, when I fix them, they stay fixed. Uh, um, there you go, Sila. Every day you're going to need to be in the Word of God if you're serious about having a renewed mind. Amen? Amen. How often? Every day. And if you're uh, more auditory, then fine. Read the Word of God. Let somebody else read it to you. Some people have a hard time because of their vision or other situations, you know, focusing on the printed Word of God. There are all kinds of resources today. It's amazing what God has given us in this day that we live in. Amen? Can you tell me, how many, they got to put in how many sermons of John Osteen? 276 John Osteen messages. You want to get your mind renewed, listen to every one of them. Like a John Osteen seminar that you didn't know was out there. Uh, one of the greatest Bible teachers to ever walk this, this country. Full of revelation, full of power. There are resources out there that will help you renew your mind. But uh, most of the stuff that's out there will help you go the other way. Yeah. Amen? Mm-hmm. Now, say it with me. Living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Rejecting the world's intention. <laughs> Renewing my mind. In the Word of God. Now I'm capable of discerning His will. Now. Not until, but now. Every day, lay your life down. Every single day, reject the world's influence. Every single day, put the Word of God in there in abundance. And now you're able to discern God's will. Why is that incredibly important? Because in discerning God's will, you also need to discern what is not God's will which is where demonization comes in. You need to know what God's will is. You also need to know what is not God's will for your life. And if it's not God's will for your life, then whose will is it? It is the evil one's. It is the evil one's will for your life. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Say that with renewed. renewed. In the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now to help you understand this, renewed in the spirit of your mind really means renewed in the atmosphere of your minds. What's going on in that atmosphere? How you know sometimes it can seem negative to you? It can seem depressing to you? It can seem overwhelming to you? Pressure can come on your mind? Where is the atmosphere of your mind right now? If in fact, you know, in your life, it's, it's not what it's supposed to be, then you and I have something to focus on. You and I have something to, to say, you know, i got some work to do here. Uh, is it in an area of a living sacrifice? Am I letting some influence into my life that shouldn't be there? Am I not spending time in the Word of God? The atmosphere or the environment of your mind should be healthy, whole, and sound. That's the key here. That's what we mean by a renewed mind. And not just having it done one time. Uh, by now you're understanding that we can't do this on Sunday mornings. Wednesday nights won't do it. No. How often is it going to take? Every day. Every single day. Is the devil taking a vacation? No. Is the world taking a vacation? No. No. You can't take a vacation from the Word of God. 
or the atmosphere of your mind is not going to be whole. It's not going to be sound. It's not going to be holy. It's not going to be victorious. So you'll be renewed in the spirit of your mind or the atmosphere of your mind. Amen. Now here's why this is so important. And if this is all that we get to today, then, then so be it. The way we are, are especially in, our, in a fallen condition, what we think, we then feel. And what we feel, that is what we do. And the only thing that can interrupt that going the wrong way is the entrance of the Word of God in abundance in your life, the renewing of your mind. You and I aren't called to live by what we feel. That's right. Now the world will tell you and, and, and incorrectly counsel you that you should own those feelings, express those feelings, vent those feelings. It's all about the emotive part. There are people out there that preach falsely that we need to have you know you know you know emotionally healthy spirituality as if the emotions trump our spiritual life no what we need is spiritually healthy emotionality do you see the difference your emotions are not on the top shelf they're not to run and rule your life but if you're thinking wrong you're going to have certain feelings and you're going to act on those feelings and that's not going to take you in the direction of God's best or God's will for your life but if you renew your mind, you'll have the ability to countermand those emotions and act consistently with the Word of God. How, do, how can I tell my mind's renewed? Because my actions are renewed. Do you see this? If I'm actually walking around with a renewed mind, I'm going to think different, I'm going to act different, I'm going to talk different, I'm going to have different priorities. Instead of walking around in defeat all the time, I'm going to walk in joy and victory. Can I have an amen tonight? The, the joy of the Lord is what? Your strength. But when you think wrong, your emotions go in the wrong way. And 99% of the time, you're not going to have the wherewithal to stop yourself from acting in a direction those emotions are taking you. And if you believe the lie that emotions rule, you'll live the rest of your life that way, up and down, in and out, based on circumstances and things that are going on around you instead of something that is timeless. Your emotions are flaky. Your emotions are not God. They are not eternal. They were given to you to experience life, not to run your life. But if you think wrong, you will feel wrong, and then you will act wrong. On the other hand, if I will get my mind renewed, amen, I'll put my feelings in their place. Famous story of Smith Wigglesworth and Lester Sumrall. Lester Sumrall knocked on his door one morning and said, Brother Wigglesworth, how are you feeling today? That was a mistake. Because he barked early in the morning. I don't ask Brother Wigglesworth how he feels. I tell him how he feels. You and I, let's be honest about it. Once we feel something, it becomes master and Lord to us. That's right. And a lot of people in the church will encourage you, not this church necessarily, will encourage you to live that way. Say it with me. I don't ask, I don't ask. how I feel. How I, feel. I, tell I tell how I feel. And you'd be amazed what will happen. But you're not going to be able to do that unless you're in the Word following an example of a Wigglesworth, who has said never was seen without the Bible, either in his hand or in front of him reading it. 
So how could he say something like that? His mind was renewed to take total dominion and authority over his emotions. So he acted on a renewed mind, not on a fallen emotion. Say that with me. I act on a renewed mind, not a fallen emotion. Do you see this? Uh, thank God that he's able to touch every part of our lives. Every dimension of our lives. He cares about us, body, soul, and spirit. He cares about what's going on. But the only way for us to, to get victory in the emotional realm is to walk around with a renewed mind. People do what they feel, and they feel what they have been thinking. And the only remedy for that is a spiritual application of the Word of God. Amen. You'll still feel things. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> Amen. If uh, I get a hammer out tonight and, and smack Rodney in the hand, he'll probably take the thing out and smack me back, but it'll, it'll hurt. Right? It's not, no, my hand doesn't hurt. No, my hand, yeah, your hand hurts because you just got smacked. You see that. Um, faith does not lie or pretend something is not real. Are you here today? Faith does not give permission for something to abide and remain in your life. You can begin to say to that hand in Jesus' name, I'm restored, I'm healed, and whatever. But he's going to feel that. Watch this. But does that feeling have to dictate what he does? No. 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 Listen to me. 99.99% of the world lives this way. And an overwhelming majority of the church does the same thing. Watch this. Spiritual maturity. Spiritual formation. Powerful words. Having Christ formed in you. Christian worldview. Thinking and functioning as a mature Christian. Here, here's a clear definition for it. the ability to feel something strongly and yet act in the direction of God's word. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Somebody tells you we don't teach that somebody can have feelings, and that's just nonsense. You were given them, God birthed them in you. You were born with emotion. That's part of who you are. But it was never supposed to be a guidance system. Ever. A mature Christian can feel something strongly. You can have a soulish hurt or wound as strong as somebody hitting you in the hand with a hammer. And how many have been there before? But honestly, with a raise hand, how many of you have from time to time let that determine your actions or reactions? The maturity is you step back and say, I feel this, I feel it, I feel it. But because I've got a renewed mind, I have the ability to back up and not respond based on what I feel, but respond based on what God said. I tell you that uh, you'd have so much more peace in life if you can learn that lesson. Amen. Save me a renewed mind gives me dominion over what I feel. And I can act in the direction of a renewed mind in the direction of the word of God. No, if you live this life, you're going to have emotional hurts just like you have some physical wounds. If somebody were to hit you or something were to happen. The renewed mind enables you to feel it, not pretend it's not there, but not act on what Lord emotion is telling you. 
What is Lord fear saying? What is Lord bitterness saying? What is Lord anger saying? How many of these things are not your Lord? Jesus is Lord. And, uh, you know, what a great example this was when David Wilkerson went to New York City and started ministering to the gangs because the gang situation was just out of control. And Nikki Cruz, I mean, other people witnessed this and the same uh, testimony that David Wilkerson gave. He said Nikki Cruz told him to get off the streets and if he didn't stop bothering him, he was going to cut him up in little pieces mm-hmm. and lay him on the sidewalk for the rest of his little Jesus freaks, you know, to see. You want him to go back to Pennsylvania, wherever you're from, and leave us alone. You know what, what he said? Now, this is not some guy who's, who's blowing smoke. This guy is a murderer. He's a racketeer. He's a criminal. Mm-hmm. Telling a preacher he's going to cut him up in little pieces. Yeah. And what did Wilkerson say? He said, every one of those pieces will be saying, Nikki, I love you. That's right. Now, I don't know about you, but that's probably not my first thought at that moment. <laughs> How fast can I run probably at that moment? My brother-in-law did the same thing when he was on the streets of Chicago. And a man put a shotgun on his chin. And so you keep your Jesus in the church. He was over by the Jesus people. He said, I'm going to blow your head off. And they just looked at him. And at that point in time, again, if you're not renewed in your mind, mm-hmm. some other Lord's going to talk to you. Mm-hmm. At that moment, he said, Mister, he said, you go ahead and pull that trigger. He said, I died a long time ago. Jesus now lives in me. He speaks through my mouth. He touches through my hand. He walks through my feet. Go ahead and pull that trigger. I'm dead anyway. And that man pulled that gun down. He just walked away shaking his head like, what did I just run into? If you're already dead, you can't die. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) How can you, under that kind of pressure, respond consistent with the Word of God? In Nikki's, you know, in David Wilkerson's case, in love and compassion. In Ben's case, without fear, speaking biblical truth. If I were that man, I'd probably think I'd go get saved quickly. Mm-hmm. And go into the doors of Jesus' people and get saved quickly. How do you stop with everything going on right now, emotions from taking total control over your life? It's a renewed mind. And how many sometimes have had a real battle with your emotions? Raise your hand, you can be honest about it. All that's doing is telling you you need more time in the Word. And this is not something that's static. Oh, I'm going to get to this point, and I will have arrived, and this won't bother me anymore. That's not true. You're going to have to continue to keep your mind renewed. And if you're tempted, if you've had problems with the emotions, and your emotions have been dictating your behavior, and sometimes it is consistent with the Word of God, and oftentimes it's not, because that's the nature of emotions. Watch this. Your emotions have absolutely no ability to lead you towards right choices. None. There is no directional anointing on your emotions. None. Well, I got a feeling, and it happened to be true. That was the grace of God, not communicating through your emotions. The candle of the Lord is the spirit of man. That's the part he lights up and talks to. Your your emotions have no directional anointing or ability, period. But you know what they can do? They can misdirect you. By getting you to do something that was never intended for you or for me. If I renew my mind, I will have the wherewithal to tell myself, you are not going to act on those feelings. Mm -hmm. You're going to respond 
in an appropriate way. How great would that be in terms of our tendency to get offended at people? Yes. Yes. Amen. If you're offended at me right now, that's a signal you need time in the Word. (laughs) Amen. It's just telling us that uh, that these emotions are cropping up to a, a level of authority and dominion that God never wanted them to be for you and for me. This requires a, a good level of honesty. How many of y'all like this wonderful stand? I move it up, it falls back down again. I move it up, like I'm an Oompa Loompa or something up here. <laughs> I can get on my knees and be perfect. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm about to put a screw through that thing. <laughs> Permanently fix it. Glory to God. Look at somebody and say, lay your life down. Lay your life down. Reject the influence of the world. Renew your mind. Then you'll be able to know what the what? The perfect, pleasing, and good will of God is. And you'll respond not based on what Lord emotion is telling you, but on what the Word of God says. Is a critical, critical principle. So, I, with you or me, I don't know what uh, where you would be right now. You know, on this, isn't that wonderful? Now it's back up again. <laughs> I guess I could do a stupid Jedi trick, but couldn't I? <laughs> For some people in this room, it might be you know laying your life down as a sacrifice might be the issue for you. Others, it might be you know we are at a place where you're just receiving too much of the influence of this world. Other you might be simply this, you've not been spending enough time in the Word of God. You can't know what God's will is, and you can't know what God's will is not without the renewing of the mind. Amen. So how in the world could we possibly avoid demonization if our mind's not renewed? No, we're just sitting ducks in that case. Amen. And you'll be ruled by your emotions all the days of your life. Amen. Anybody here ever reacted and you regretted it soon thereafter? And you knew at that moment in time, you knew this was not a God decision or choice. You knew it was the wrong way to go. But that was so strong. Why were you overwhelmed by emotion? Because you were underwhelmed by the renewing of your mind. Turn to somebody and say, renew your mind. Then do it again. And what? Then do it again. Then do it again. It's the word that allows us to think right so that emotions do not commandeer are doing. Without a renewed mind, your emotions will commandeer your doing every single day of your life. You say, well, well, pastors live in a spiritual bubble. They don't have to practice this stuff. <laughs> yeah, a spiritual bubble, all right. Problem with that, there's a lot of varmints in that bubble. Oops. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> How many know that bubble? Mm-hmm. Amen. You got to renew your mind so that your emotions do not commandeer your actions, your doing. There's no other way. Um, so I've been told, well, if you just medicate enough, that'll take care of it. Won't do it. Medicating your feelings, your hurts, to try to get victory will never bring you victory. It'll still control your actions. There is no substance, there's no medication, there is no illicit drug that's going to work. Renewing of your mind is the only thing that will give you domination over your emotions, amen, and keep you responding in a biblical way. 
Amen. Well, that's one quarter of one of these parts. Can you receive it today? Amen. Say it with me. I receive it. There's a man, and uh, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment on this. Um, he's a, you know, a, an English citizen. His name is Paul Grant, and um, he's about four foot four tall. And he actually played an Ewok in Star Wars, and in some other Hollywood blockbuster movies. And about uh, three or four weeks ago, um, uh, a British national who has a YouTube channel and a podcast was out there near. Uh, I think it was London King Station. is a major, the major train station interface there, and he was out there talking to people. And uh, he he introduced himself and he said, "Well, I'm an actor." And so he looked him up on Google. He said, yeah, he is this famous person, and he began to ask him about about God and his life and everything. And his exact words is, "I don't give a blankety blank about God." This week they found him at the same intersection in the train station, dead. Uh, you and I have got to be on our toes these days. At least he got a witness that day. And who knows whether he repented and got right with the Lord. Who knows in the time that he had. One thing's for sure is that young man took advantage of this. He wasn't intimidated because he was a great actor. And he wasn't scared because the man was throwing profanity at him. He just simply presented a gospel to him. And that same place, I mean, it's almost like an exclamation point from heaven. And that same exact place... They, they found him. He fallen down. He, he, was, he was dead. They tried to resuscitate him in a local hospital. They couldn't do it. This is serious business out there. People need Jesus. Come on, turn us to mind town. People need Jesus. But you know what? If we're being run by our emotions, we're not going to care. We're not going to tap into the promptings of the Holy Ghost and do something about stuff like that. And we're fighting all this stuff because we've been putting the wrong things in our minds and our emotions are out of control. We can't possibly act correctly without a renewed mind. Say it one more time. Offer my body as a living sacrifice. Said, offer my body as a living sacrifice. Amen. Reject the influence of the world. Turn to somebody and tell them they're not going to squeeze me into their mold. Don't care how they try. They're not going to do it. Renew your mind. How often? Every single day, then you'll be able to understand and discern what the will of God is, His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. And by doing that, you'll know what His will is not. Yes. Amen? And now, you will not have emotions that are running, running your life and dictating to you what to do. Amen? The Word of God, the Spirit of God will be doing that for you. Amen? And you'll really have a Lord Jesus instead of Lord Anger. Amen. Or Lord jealousy or Lord offense. Glory to God. Give a big hand clap if you can receive that today.